0: No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Wonderbolt, the soccer
2: betting How podcast from Earth the Action Network, presented to you by our sponsors, Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign up offer in New Jersey, Colorado, and Ohio. Bet a dollar on any game and get 200 in bonus bets. My name is Michael Lebuff. Joining me, as always, my co hosts and colleagues, BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo. Uh, we have a full slate of Premier League matches to go over. We'll take a little tour around Europe as usual. Stop in Bundesliga, La Liga, Serie A, Ligue 1, give out our three leg underdog parlay, and then our favorite bets in the Premier League before we get out of here. And we're going to start with the headliner in the Premier League, which is Sunday morning uh, a kickoff between Liverpool and Arsenal. Liverpool at home, plus 175. They are an underdog. Arsenal plus 145. The draw is plus 260. The Gunners, BJ, you're Gunners. Mm -hmm. Eight points up on City going into the weekend. They've played one more match. I think people have this one circled as a potential hurdle that needs clearing Mm -hmm. by Mikel Arteta and Arsenal going to Anfield, taking on a Liverpool team that is mid-table this season. Mm -hmm. Defensively, a wreck mm-hmm. relative to where they're supposed to be. Am I, a, is it just too square to think that this game, which features a a really, you know, still a strong Liverpool attack, to think that it's just you know, taken over? I think three and a half at plus 168 I saw out there is looks pretty appealing. Yeah. I mean,
1: I, I really like uh, Arsenal team total over one and a half. You can get it at plus 115 at some shops right now. It's, uh, like it's the same story with Liverpool every weekend and week out, right? I mean, they've they're in a, a very difficult run of uh, matches here. They just traveled to City and got dismantled by them. They go to Chelsea. Obviously, they don't concede, but they concede over two point two expected goals. And now they got to face an Arsenal offense that over their last nine matches have only been held under one and a half expected goal one time, and that was a match against Leicester when they were basically just controlling the entire match. So. I don't really see what Liverpool, what problems Liverpool's defense is going to present Arsenal. Right? It's like the same conversation. Do you press Arsenal high? Well, they can play right through you because they're outstanding at playing through pressure. Do you sit back and try to stay compact? Well, Arsenal's incredibly good at creating overloads in the middle of the pitch and then also beating you out wide in one-on-ones with Martinelli and Saka. So. I really don't know what Liverpool is going to do. They did not have an answer for Chelsea. Again, Chelsea didn't score. So, you know, the final scoreline makes it look a lot better than it did. Clean sheet for Klopp. But again, it's just when Liverpool has played the big six this season in seven matches, they've conceded 15.7 expected goals. Like they are getting destroyed by the rest of the big six. So I have no reason to believe why Arsenal can't do the same here away from home. Liverpool's defense has been a little bit better at Anfield, but again, now Arsenal being without Saliba, without Tomiyasu, Anthony has been just fading their defense week in and week out on this podcast. Um, And yeah, they've, they continue to concede. So, uh, I would rather target the Arsenal offense here than any type of money line or draw no bet. So Arsenal, over one and a half goals for me. I project them around 1. 1.8, 1. 1.9 uh, goals for this match. I think there's tremendous value on the Gunners to put the ball in the back the net at least twice.
2: Anthony, anything for you here?
3: Yeah, I mean, I've faded Arsenal's defense three of the last four league matches, and we are three and zero on those fades. And this is going to make it a fourth consecutive. I'm going to take both teams to score and over two and a half goals. Uh, minus one twelve is the best price I was able to find out there on that. It is square, no doubt about it. Uh, we are we are definitely hip, Huey Lewis in the news to be square here, but mm. I don't really see a path either. Liverpool had no answers for either Man City or. Chelsea in either match and I understand that it was a rotated team I do expect Mo Salah Virgil van Dijk and Tiago all to play for Liverpool uh, and then that upgrades them quite a bit the market has moved very heavily against Liverpool uh, as of uh, Saturday morning uh, Arsenal was an underdog here the line was essentially flipped with Liverpool around plus 140 Arsenal around plus 180 my projections make this a true coin flip uh, so I would have a tiny bit of value on Liverpool but again you're really bucking you know who who in the world is betting Liverpool here this weekend? That is the one thing that that makes me makes me want to bet them a little bit. like Arsenal come in in great form. They've been rolling everybody. Liverpool comes in in shit form. They just got the you know their brains beat out of them for two matches against uh, superior teams um but yeah, Liverpool's matches since the World Cup break have averaged three and a half expected goals. and you know, we've talked about Arsenal. They've conceded 1.2 XG per match since the World Cup in the league Mm -hmm. uh, and have struggled a little bit defensively in Europe too against uh, sporting in those two matches. So this is an Arsenal defense that's shorthanded. Uh, It's a Liverpool attack that I still love. At home, you expect an open affair. uh, And so I like both teams scoring over two and a half in this one.
2: Saturday morning, 7.30 a.m. Eastern time kickoff between Manchester Manchester United, uh, minus 200, Hosting Everton, plus 650. The draw is plus 333. The Toffees coming off a famous draw against Tottenham. Anthony, I was updating him because he wasn't watching. I couldn't really describe. I watched it. I couldn't really de- find the words to describe Michael Keane's Bill Jagielka-esque game-tying goal. Everton's 3-3-3 three, three, and three, uh, under Sean Dyche. And that's been a minus 1.6 expected goal differential. When you look at the, the quality competition and the stakes, it's it's pretty damn impressive uh, with the turnaround uh, at Goodison Park. I think with Everton, they're becoming a team, and this isn't just me saying it as an Everton fan, that when the number gets to this range, they're alive. Uh, Deitch's teams, you know what you're going to get out of them. They're going to work hard. They're going to make life hell on you in the middle of the field. They're going to fight for every ball. They're not going to give up cheap anything cheap, whether it be on a set piece or whatever. And and they're going to create on set pieces and 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 give you a lot to think about when they have a chance from from direct kicks. Those are the qualities of a of a good underdog. Uh, and and I know this is at Old Trafford, and I know United are miles ahead of Everton, but I think the Toffees are just always going to be dangerous uh, at paying out at these prices. Like they, I don't think it's unfair to say they've got one or two more wins like this left in their locker for the rest of the season uh, with the way that they've looked under Deitch. Uh, Anthony, anything for you? I know you and BJ aren't too hot on this one from a betting standpoint.
3: Yeah, I was really hoping for one and a half. uh, And I thought we'd get it. But um, we didn't. So I'm going to pass. I I, I kind of... My number's a little bit high on United. I have them closer to minus 180. But I still have them as a solid home favorite here. I still have major question marks about Everton's defense, which uh you know performed well against spurs overall but again like what does that even mean this year um still conceded you know 2 x g to brentford over 2 to spurs uh don't defend well uh so uh, yeah especially going away from home i'd be more inclined to bet them plus a half at home than i will be plus 1 on the road uh in this spot if it gets to plus 1.25 flat i'd probably still get there and bet it uh but i have to lay juice for that now like minus 120 25 uh, on the plus one, 2.25. I just can't quite get there. Look, I think we're starting to see what the problem could be for Man United going forward here. Uh, with not even if after Casemiro returns, just like in the match today and in, in the match against Newcastle, there's just not enough shots. And it's still been a problem. And it's just Anthony taking bad shots, Rashford being the only consistent good shot producer, and what that means especially when Casemiro's out, which he will be again. So this is the third match of his four-match ban, uh, and then he'll be back for Chelsea in the end of the month, which will be a fascinating matchup. But, yeah, I have no real interest here from a betting perspective. Could, could see a BTTS, but uh, with, with United's defense kind of just being more shaky out of possession. Uh,
2: another un- underdog I have interest in is uh, Nottingham Forest. They're plus 450 at Villa Park. Villa's minus 175. The draw here is plus 320. I, I, I owe Aston Villa an apology. I put them on the beach like a month ago. They're six points out of a Champions League spot. <laughs> I, I mean, I... Oh, come on. No, but what, what however you want to say it, I have, however yeah. you want to say it, they're not on the beach. Like, if you're six points out of a Champions League spot with nine to go, you're not on the beach. So, to all the Aston Villa fans, I do know one Aston Villa fan who listens to us regularly. I do apologize. You're not on the beach. You're off the beach. You're still work. You're still at work. Um, it's too
3: early for that, I think. But uh, here's—I mean, it looked like it. Like they, they, how, they- how did we miss? I, I know they've they've run really well, and right, and the the win against Leicester was no exception. Where you know they get the red card, and then they get one turnover. The Traore just shoots, and he arrows it into the top corner and just shambles. But how did we not profit off of a Unai Emery improving a team? I don't know as a podcast like how do we how did we screw that up um yeah like we're i said too, th- like I the know. defense has not gotten too better at with all that, they just their former manager
2: like we had me and you had a vendetta against gerard and you thought you have you had his poster up in your room it's it's, it's funny because hey, I, I
3: bet them at the beginning of the season remember i bet them best non-big six team at like seven to one and i wrote that ticket off for dead and then i i went and back and i looked at it, i was like hmm are we still live here and like we're not because of newcastle and brighton but uh for one moment i was like that ticket could win but yeah i mean look like their defense has stopped conceding goals but they haven't stopped conceding chances and so for me that, that makes them a dangerous favorite yeah. uh I, I i think they're clearly better than forest if this gets over one though i'm gonna take the trees i like Forest. i i think they're not but- good enough defensively to trust them, no, Villa. That it well, yeah, of course, too. I, but Villa so in this situation, since the World Cup,
2: Aston Villa has the the fourth most points in the Premier League. You know, games in hand, whatever. But uh that's despite a minus five and a half expected goal differential and the third worst uh, expected goals allowed. Their expected points, according to Understat, seventeen. Uh Actual points, twenty six in that time frame.
3: Yeah, and macro Something's has coming. them. Something's coming. Mac- for macro team. has them conceding 1.1 1. 1 goals per match and concede since the world cup conceding about 1.8 xg8 per match and that that that's a huge gap yeah uh, Yeah. It hasn't necessarily been shot stopping either i went back and looked at some of the martinez numbers and like he's been no, no, slightly yet. above well, average still it's not
2: he's on the he's still
3: on the beach yeah the i mean cup. he personally yeah, yeah. so the bill
2: yeah. no, Villa I mean, not on the beach goal their no. goalkeeper on the beach
3: and like they played even with lester like, i don't know That match was very even until the red card. I mean, this match
1: kind of sets up, you know, we've seen a couple of teams that have played similarly to what Nottingham Forest is going to do, like the match against Everton, where Everton was very dangerous in transition against Aston Villa. They created close to two expected goals, just didn't put the ball in the back of the net. West Ham put up over two expected goals against them, only scored once. Chelsea obviously put in a great performance for Graham Potter, got sacked, created over two expected goals, couldn't find the back of the net. Last six matches... Aston Villa's conceded 7.8 expected goals and only conceded twice overall so and I also saw that Unai Emery has the third most points in the Premier League since he took over Aston Villa only Arsenal and Manchester City are the only two teams that have more points and right behind him is Brighton and Bournemouth so uh, yeah, I mean, I went through my projections, and you know, I have Forest at plus around plus three fifty, and I was entering in the the number, and I was showing Edge in their money line at plus four forty. I was like, all right, like, are we are we doing this? I guess like because now the market's going to be a little overvalued on Aston Villa. So, um, yeah, I guess we're going. I guess we're going with the tricky trees this weekend, Michael. But I'm with Anthony. Uh, I I think I need a straight, you know, plus one at like minus one twenty. Yeah, just go to the money line here. That. I, I mean, I. Because there's I mean, blowout potential. I think there's just uh, as much blowout potential with this. I, and <laughs> I blowout- agree. I just, yeah. Like, it's, it's just like, the Nottingham Forest away from home thing. It's just always stuck in my head whenever yeah, I, try I see them. Like, it's just like, it's like, yeah, I, I understand that they've underperformed on the road. But to score five goals in 14 matches and concede 34 is just in a very, very alarming thing to look at. So I mean I could be smart and just say like, oh, they're due for positive regression because they've created 12 and a half expected goals on the road. So they're due to, to score at least, you know, something. So I don't know. Maybe I will be on forest. But yeah, it's the market's getting a little too high with how good Astonville has been running.
2: Forest is uh zero wins, three draws, five losses in their last eight ringing endorsement uh but and and their xg data doesn't really suggest that they deserve anything better uh than than their minus 10 goal differential in that span but it's just this villa team's not that good you know forest like with steve cooper he got backed by the the owner today and i think this is just this is a game that i think they'll have circled as a a potential like let's steal three points uh, to help our cause, I, I, it just it feels like a, a really good spot to to sell high on, on Aston Villa, who all three of us can agree are running quite hot. So
1: oh, and we get we get Forest in a slam spot after that. They got United at home, perfect. Uh, so if Forest, if you're they listening, Forest will probably, uh, probably catch a
3: goal in a quarter there.
2: Oh yeah, you can roll no, it over. Just a money, money, it's a money,
3: it's a money line, it's a money line rollover.
2: Roll if, if I've ever Villa seen one. to
1: United. Oh, yeah. and then and then even better, Michael, they go to Liverpool after that.
2: See there you got three 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 plus four you get like what plus four fifty then you roll that over onto like you the like thirty five nice thirty five to one, one ticket there yeah. <laughs> it's just gonna be insane. Uh Brentford and Newcastle now. Uh the Bees plus 260 uh, at home. Newcastle plus one ten coming off of a five one victory over West Ham. The Bees are wobbling a little bit. Uh yeah, they're fine. Oh oh two and one in their last three. Win draw loss. Six point three expectacles allowed in that span. A lot of that obviously came in that. Circus against Brighton. Uh, I I would lean towards Brentford here. I don't. I don't. It's not like it's not jumping off the page at me like that. <laughs> that Nottingham Forest number is. Uh, but that's where I'd be looking. Uh, BJ, what do you have?
1: I actually like a look at the over here. Um, you know the the matches between these two teams. Obviously Brentford. This is only Brentford's second season in the Premier League, but they've been. Very, very chaotic the three times that they've faced each other. If you look back last season at St. James Park, it was a thrilling 3-3 draw where Newcastle created over two and a half expected goals. Then the reverse fixture at the Brentford Community Stadium. Brentford got a red card in like the 10th minute, and then Newcastle scored four goals against them. And in the earlier meeting at St. James Park, Newcastle beat them 5-1 off of 1.5 expected goals. And Brentford's only goal was off an Ivan Tony penalty. So... And I think this is just something that kind of gets lost when um, in, in betting the Premier League and, and styles of play with, you know, Brentford and Newcastle are obviously two of the better defensive teams in the Premier League and are very, very good at sitting deep and defending their penalty area. But when you have two teams that play a very similar style, a very transitional, you know, looking to beat teams on counter, it actually creates a very end-to-end style match. And you saw that with Newcastle and United with, with the way – newcastle was able to press them and get chances going in transition the same thing when newcastle just went and faced nottingham Forest, another low block transitional team where there's a lot of end-to-end type stuff that can happen with these two matches so um i'm projecting close to to three goals uh between these two sides so um i think this is a decent spot for for an over obviously newcastle just put five past west ham who is uh, one of the better low block defensive teams in the premier league so um i think it's a good spot here for the over
2: all three of us uh, are in agreement for this next one. West Ham will travel across London. Take on Fulham. Uh, Fulham's plus 180. West Ham plus 162. Draw plus 225. The Cottagers will be without. Um, Alexander Mitrovich, who... Eight matches. He can't, he can't, he can't do. Uh, <laughs> dust up with an official. Uh, Fulham's 0-1-3. Win draw loss in their last four. Nine goals allowed in that span, four scored, and they just gave up over three expected goals mm-hmm. to Mighty Bournemouth. Uh, Anthony, you can go first here, but I, I think this one, this is a really good spot for the team that we're betting.
3: Yeah. I mean, you get hammered in the midweek, uh, crushed uh, in that match. Then you get to go on the road against, you uh, know, in, in a London derby. But I, really, this is just like, Classic positive regression team, negative regression team, West Ham back against the wall with Moyes here, Fulham. I think, you know, we've talked about them over and over again, overachieving, but now you're finally starting to see the regression. They've lost three in a row in the league, uh, gave up over two expected goals in all three of those matches, really weren't competitive in any of those matches. Uh, I know that they ended up, you know, they took the lead on Bournemouth, but that pretty much was one-way traffic for the majority of the match. Got blown out by Arsenal. They've been much better at home this year, but again, I just don't trust this attack. They don't really seem to have a plan B. And this is very quietly an attack that even before they lost Mitrovic, uh, had only created more than one expected goal in two out of six matches. So you're talking about a Fulham team that just ran over its skis for the entirety of the first half of the season. And now reality is setting in. West Ham... Uh Toronto bet, I project them around minus one twenty. So I'm happy to take them minus one ten. I ha- I still have West Ham as a top ten team in the league. Uh and that sounds crazy, but they're tenth for me. Uh and I still have Fulham sitting fourteenth. So I uh, you know, tenth at fourteenth. There's a bit of a drop off in between those teams. I project West Ham better and still better away from home. Give me the hammers.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm gonna take the hammers on the money line. It's why why not just keep sinking money into David Moyes' ship until he goes down? He treated me so well last season. Uh, VJ, final thoughts here on on West Ham and and Fulham?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just an awesome slam spot here for West Ham. You know what's crazy is like, you know, West Ham, I agree with you, they are a top 10 team. They actually have a better expected goal differential than Chelsea this season, which I think Mm -hmm. is very, very crazy to think about. Um, You know, plus 3.1, Chelsea's at plus 2.3. I mean, Fulham's now fourth to last in an expected goal differential. Like, Alexander Mitrovic is probably, would you say the most important player to his individual team in the premier league of, of what they want to accomplish and how they can actually have success because we know the spell them. They want to get the ball out wide. They want to swing in crosses and to head, be able to do that, you got to have a great front man and a guy can go get those crosses like Mitrovic. Carlos Venetius just really isn't that type of guy. So, we've seen a little bit of what Fulham is like without Mitrovic. They've been without him for seven matches in the premier league this season without him. They're only averaging 0.81 expected goals per match with him in the lineup. They're at 1.37. So he makes about a half a goal difference to what, what, what Fulham uh, can do offensively. So this is just a really, really good West Ham spot who has been by expected goals, half uh, a goal per 90 better uh, than Fulham this season. So even accounting for home field advantage, even not taking into account Mitrovic being out, there's no way you can get to West Ham, basically being a straight pick here uh, at Craven Cottage. So I'm with you guys. West Ham drawn a bet at minus 110.
3: Yeah, and you mentioned it. Mitrovic was getting 3.97 shots per 90 this season, which is ridiculously good number. He's
1: the most important player to his team in the Premier League.
3: Yeah, and 12 expected goals in 20, so a little over 0.6 XG per 90. Carlos Vinicius is getting two fewer shots per match uh, and actually doesn't have terrible... Uh, you know, passing numbers like gets involved in the buildup a little bit, but 13 shots in seven matches is really bad. And 1.6 and XG just not striker level production. We've seen, we've seen enough Carlos Vinicius.
1: And this is something to keep in mind because, you know, like we saw with Bournemouth last week is like these, I believe, I I believe the market is going to correct once Mitrovic is going to be out here for a long time. I mean, his return date is going to be May 13th. It's going to be a long time before he actually comes back. So I would implore people that, you know, the downswing happens when we talk about expected goals and teams that have overperformed. The Fulham team has overperformed for a really, really long time, and now they're without their best player. This is when the downswing happens. So get in on the Fulham fades early and
2: often before Mitrovic comes back. Leicester City, uh Sands, Brendan Rodgers, minus uh, 120 hosting, Bournemouth, plus 320, the draw, plus 280. I-, I got nothing here. I mean, it would... I had I can... to...
1: I gotta say, Michael, I had to do a double take because their their interim manager uh, is Adam,
2: Adam Sandler. Sa- Sandler, yeah. I, I thought it was
1: Adam Sandler for a second. Yeah. I, I I about I about collapsed. <laughs> you just like, with the way that <laughs> those, my like, the way that
2: soccer's gone celebrity. Uh, with, I know uh, you, you wouldn't put it past the team because they are they are co caretaker managers. Uh, right. So, but yeah, I mean, from a betting standpoint. This is an easy pass. Yeah, Yeah. I mean,
1: I would say this, like Leicester came out in a very, very defensive formation and they started Vardy up top, which was I thought was quite interesting against Aston Villa. Um, So if they do that here against Bournemouth, I mean, you may be potentially looking at it under, like I project 2.42 goals for this match. So if they start Vardy up top and they come out, um, you know, with Ndidi and and Dewsbury Hall, and they and they bench some of their uh, attacking players. They you might be able to look at a chance for an under, but yeah, this is a very easy pass. Even if you want to look at Bournemouth, they've been very very poor away from home. So, uh, but hey, this is a huge one for the relegation battle too, because Leicester is now down in it, and Bournemouth needs this really badly to get out of it. So it's a, actually a very very fascinating match.
3: I would bet the under if Vardy starts. I feel the same way. You know, Vardy's cooked his numbers have fallen mm. off a lot uh and it was a much more defensive approach they really didn't do a ton of pressing of villa high uh the numbers suggest you know they kind of let villa do a little bit more build up and then waited uh and kind of lowered like they were backed up the line of of first attack and first like we're going to win the ball off you uh and it was an interesting approach and it, it worked defensively i mean they were very good defensively in the match conceded one breakaway on a great through ball to watkins but other than that like villa didn't really do much in the match mm. Uh, and then they give their way the red card, and it was kind of a soft red in my view. But, uh, and then, you know, holding on for dear life couldn't quite do it. But yeah, I, I would bet the under or nothing here. I think because it's a relegation six pointer, you know, I can go one of two ways. Sometimes the market is just way too low on certain attacks, and, and the overs become cheap. This is not really the case because uh, Leicester is, is a team that has overperformed their attacking numbers all year, despite being in the relegation battle. And with Vardy, they just don't have enough shots.
2: Let's set up that relegation battle real quick before we move on. It's weird seeing Leicester. I mean, I know we kind of expected it. It's just it is this this trio of teams is just weird to see in the bottom. Oh yeah, I mean, they're, fi-
1: they're fifth place. They're fifth place two years ago. Like, yeah, they were. They, they were like they a point. The they were a point half. away from the top four like two years ago. Yeah, and now we're talking relegation.
3: They finished uh, in the top half last season. They finished eighth. Yeah. yeah. And we were all on, I mean, I have, a, I have a very large uh,
2: not a very large, but a large uh, finished bottom half the table bet on them. So Ooh, that's tough. I don't know if they're gonna do it. Uh Southampton on 23 points uh from 29 games at the foot. Leicester 25 from 29, Bournemouth 27 from 29 down there on goal differential. Then it's Forrest and Everton both on 27 points as well from 29 games, West Ham 27 from 27, Wolves 28 points from 29 games. Leeds, twenty nine from twenty nine and uh Crystal Palace,
3: my peacocks are up from... into thirteenth.
2: Yeah, look out. Uh, so with that, we can set up Wolves and Chelsea. Uh, Wolverhampton three to one at home, hosting the Blues minus one hundred five. The draw is plus two fifty. I feel like I've been waiting for the spot for a while. I like Chelsea a million different ways here. You can bet the money line, you can bet a team total, you can bet an alternate spread. That's probably how I'm going to do it. I think. Chelsea minus one and a half at a, at a good number near three to one, you can get plus two eighty. I think Chelsea minus two and a half at seven plus seven fifty is fine. This team's gonna start scoring at some point, and maybe, maybe it'll come. <laughs> maybe it'll come in the Champions League, uh, but maybe it'll come under Frank Lampard if he is indeed gonna be the interim manager. A couple of weeks ago, someone on this podcast assured me that Todd Bowley, the new owner of Chelsea, wouldn't be do something so crazy. He's not crazy. He's not going to fire Graham Potter. Who would I mean, do that? What owner? From the outside what, looking in, he looks. What owner is sane. ever crazy? The guy who spent a half billion dollars on transfers. Yeah,
1: I mean that's completely sane to spend yeah, two hundred and fifty million dollars in a January transfer window. Only
2: to fire your manager. You know after what you said. We want a long-term plan. When someone's behaving that normally, you know, spending mm-hmm. half half a billion on on transfers mm-hmm. after coming in uh, as a new owner. You expect him to keep acting normally, and that's what I guess he did, because he's he's been we were told he's not crazy and wouldn't do something crazy. Like Can't take Roman Abramovich out of this club, Michael. <laughs> uh hey, I, mean, I don't even think Robert Abramovich would have fired. Michael, you grandpa. you already missed
3: your victory lap chance because you missed the Sunday show.
2: I know. Well, I, I got I'm <laughs> not gonna miss it. So uh yeah, whoever that was on the podcast who said Todd Boley would never do that is I don't know. Doesn't look good. Anyways, Chelsea. Uh, I was wish casting it in by a million here because
3: it it was stupid. I agree though. I like the book. They could name it again. I mean, come on. Uh, I mean, I bet them every game. If you follow me in the app, I either bet them or the over. You know, we had them against Spurs, they lost. We had them uh, against Dortmund, they won. We had them against Leicester, they won. I was starting to feel really good. Uh, we had them. We had the over. I had the over against Everton. B.J. had Everton. Uh, Michael had Everton. Probably should have could have won that. But, I mean, they've created good over one-and-a-half expected goals in their last six matches. This is a, a team that has found something that works for them to get a bunch of really good opportunities for Havertz and Felix to run at defenses, which it's what they're very good at. And N'Golo Kante is so important because it stabilizes them. He, you know, he, he along with Enzo and Kovacic, like, it's a very effective midfield, ball-winning, ball-progression, ball-carrying, all of them have different skills. And they're all very functional. And I think it showed in the dominance against Liverpool. I mean, that match was one way traffic from start to finish. Wolves are very overmanned here. Wolves are not uh, good enough, I think, attack wise to stay in this. So, at plus, you know, you can find plus 105. I love Chelsea here. I also kind of like the over, of course, but I just think the market's so low on this Chelsea attack, and there's no real reason for it to be. You
1: know, I was, I got to say something wonderful because really, I don't have anything on this match, but I was reading something and I don't know if I totally agree with it. Um, But somebody is basically saying like XG doesn't really take account for what Potter was trying to do at Chelsea and both at Brighton, where the chances that they would create would be obviously very, very difficult chances for the personnel that they had. So guys like Havertz, Neil Maupai, and whoever he had at Brighton to where, you know, Somebody like a Lewandowski or a Holland or whatever it is, that 0.45 chance they convert just at such a better rate than anybody else. And so it's very, very difficult for guys like Felix and Havertz under tight spaces, under tight windows, where an XG might say like, oh, yeah, it was a 0.45 XG, but we just don't have the strikers, the personnel to play the type of system, the crossing and everything like that. I don't know if I totally agree with it, but it also kind of makes sense for what Chelsea's underperformance performance is, right? And it's kind of what we've been saying. Like, it just basically averts, like, he's just on a bad finishing run and he's maybe just not a number nine and out-and-out striker and that's kind of what they need. So, I don't know. I don't know if I totally agree with it, but it it maybe is a little bit of an explanation of why Chelsea just continually underperforms.
3: Yeah, I don't I, I don't buy that. Uh, I mean, like, I, I, one-on-ones no, totally on with, with the keeper and they It's like, like, it kind uh... of makes sense. Yeah, and, and, and I know that I talk about the L pivot guys, but they did a thing where they they said that they didn't even think Chelsea were better under Potter. And You could have said that in November and December, but since January, Chelsea have been, been a very built, good they've, team. They've been better. Whoever mid market The, the market feels team. that way too. I mean, look at how much the market upgraded Chelsea uh, You know, to the point where I was not even having that much value on them anymore because the market was bumping them faster than I could, uh, even in my numbers, uh, and... Yeah, just wait, be, I'm uh, waiting for the day. Minus where, uh, 155 against Aston Villa, who's one of the hottest teams in the league.
2: Who's going to be Potter's next club?
3: What do you, what do you think? Tottenham.
2: Uh, the United States men's national team. See, so yeah, I think it's going to be Everton. Uh, no, no. Yeah. No. No. Now he's, they got the best manager in the
3: world. The world. <laughs> uh, West Ham is interesting, maybe?
1: Yeah, the West Ham but he said he's gonna take a break though. he would like Wester immediately offered him. That's when you know you've kind of like I understand Chelsea it doesn't matter, but like when you fire your manager and like literally the next day, a team comes calling and be like, yes, I want him. That's kind of how you know. maybe like, oops, maybe we got rid of this guy too soon.
3: well, we we talked about this on Sunday. the market moved hard against them in yep. the Champions League, and I disagree with that move.
2: Mm-hmm. Anthony, you want to talk about Spurs? Not really. Yeah. All right. Uh, BJ, let's talk about Spurs. They're plus one fifty five. Uh, well, can I take a victory against, lap? It's Brighton. Why? Because your team sucks.
3: Yeah. I mean, I was mocked on this show. Well, uh, why do they how do they suck? I was mocked on this show. They're in show fourth in the place fall. in the
2: Premier League. They're in fourth place in the best team the best league in the world. Yeah, they drew one of the we, better teams we, in the Premier I, League. I don't
3: even know what the table looks like half the season. I was shocked when I found out they were in fourth, uh, after the game against Everton. Here's the thing. I was mocked on this show. In the fall, when when Brighton hosted Spurs, Brighton was a pick. And I said, Brighton should be favored in this match. And I was mocked by both of you. Said the number's crazy. No respect for Tottenham. Now it's at Spurs and Brighton are a pick. And I finally agree uh, that the, the market is very high on Brighton, who uh, by XG difference might be the third best team in the league. They, they might, are right now. the third best I mean, team in the
1: league. They're the top four is going to be Arsenal, City, Newcastle, Brighton. That's going to be the top four. <laughs> I would not. Sh- I would not be shock me caught up with Brighton. It it's, sucks. Like I, I really. I, I, I texted Anthony. I texted Anthony. I said I, I. I was getting really excited about Brighton plus a half because two years ago they would have been plus a half. Nobody would have. They the market wouldn't have priced them this low against Tottenham. And then I saw their pick. I was like, the numbers right. I
3: can't do I anything. Still, I still have. Uh... Right in fifth, but I, I think I might be wrong. They might be the third best team in the Premier League, honestly.
1: I mean, they I mean they just keep putting up a zillion expected goals every single game. Like it's just every time they're so good, man. Oh my gosh! And Evan Ferguson is awesome, by the way. Yeah, he is. Uh, they finally found a great striker
2: uh, that can you know capitalize on a lot of these
1: chances. He somebody to fill, fill
2: Neil Mope's shoes. I know. Oh Fire.
3: I know. Uh, it's there's, yeah, I mean so they're bad. just a much better team than Tottenham. So like I wouldn't blame anybody who bet them in this match. What I will say so is, this match, they're on the road. This
1: is this is kind of a bad matchup for Brighton, given what Tottenham likes to do and how aggressive Brighton is and committing men forward like, and uh, Tottenham's ability good to at counterattack. I don't know. Saying, but are
3: we good at that anymore? I don't think we're that I don't good know. At
1: that. Well you're in for- I mean you're in fourth place. Like I mean, I, wow. again they did nothing against Everton on Monday
3: besides penalty. So how many teams in the Premier better than, than Spurs? I would say I have seven better. Seven? I was going to say like five. The only team. United's somewhat, not better than them. City, Arsenal. Liverpool's Newcastle, not better than them. Yeah, they are. Liverpool, Brighton, Chelsea, and United. All better than Tottenham. Arsenal, City, Newcastle, Brighton, Brentford. I, I don't think they're better than Spurs, but they're I... not that far behind. I mean, I'd happily bet Brentford plus a half of Tottenham. Yeah. But, but like I said.
1: Do they still have another match against Brentford on the schedule or they've played them twice?
3: We still have one more. Oh boy. I'm excited for that one. Yeah, I have nothing else here though. I, I don't have a bad yeah, no, yeah, I may end season. up getting maybe, on Brighton. Maybe an over, bad.
1: but but just because Brighton's, you know, matches under Deserby are just insanely high event. Uh, but the the price on that is getting a little out of hand as well. So I think the market's just caught up with how good the seagulls are.
3: All Spurs right. end the season hosting Brentford, going to Leeds. Mm. That will be two fades. Fifteen seconds. As- and, and I, and I, I truly, truly,
2: truly mean it. I will cut you off after fifteen seconds. Um, because we've talked a lot about Brighton. What number are they going to open to win the Premier League next season? Anthony, you can go first.
3: 30, 40 to one.
2: PJ, nah, they'll be eight, they'll be 80 to one. I
1: think
3: like, yeah. Like I
2: Newcastle was coming into this season. I think they're going to be around the Newcastle range. Is what I was going to say. Like eighty to one hundred. I think I would bet it. Who knows? Anything over everybody. ten to one for top four. Who who knows what happens with the transfer market? But like
1: and deserve everybody wants deserve exactly. They're close to, if they, yeah, to
2: triple digits with the same manager and a and like a, a team that hasn't been ravaged by other teams. Uh Southampton next. Uh they're 12 to 1 hosting City. Uh, who trail Arsenal by eight points. Uh, minus 450. The draw is plus five twenty five. Uh, nothing. For me, from a betting standpoint, at all, I I find this game to be wholly I, uninteresting.
1: <laughs> I kind of like uh, I kind of like Southampton plus okay. one and a half at plus one ten. Uh, I mean, this is obviously a sandwich spot here for City. Um, they're going to play Bayern in the Champions League. Obviously, they still needed to fight for the Premier League title, but I only have City at minus two seventeen, and obviously, they've been running incredibly hot offensively over their last three games, but. I mean, listen, Southampton beat them in the EFL Cup at home 2-0, and City didn't really play that much of a reverse uh, reserve-type lineup. So... There's a chance here where Southampton could come out, play a low block, and and listen. They've given City some problems. Like if you know, if you are talking about bogey teams, like they've kind of been a bogey team for City over the years. Last season, they drew City twice, and if you look at the expected goals, like City didn't completely blow them out. Obviously, City killed them earlier this season for nothing, and it was complete dismantling. But uh, I mean, the Southampton team they got to show some life at some point or else they're getting relegated. I and mean, they probably are going to get relegated. They're probably going to finish dead last in the premier league, but I am projecting some value on them. Like I only project them at seven to one as a seven to one underdog here. So I might, this, this kind of feels like maybe that uh, that city crystal palace match from a few weeks ago, where city was about to come play in the champions league and they won that match one, nothing and kind of slept through it. I think, we might have a similar match here. You know, Southampton's obviously going to sit in their 4-4-2. Four, four, They're going to stay very compact, defend their penalty area. And maybe they get a few set-piece opportunities to get the ball in the back of the net. But at some point, this defense has to regress positively. So uh, Southampton plus 1.5 at plus 110, I think has some value.
3: Yeah, I think if City's flat, it manifests itself in them defensively falling asleep and conceding. So I could you could sell me on a Saints team total. Uh, but I will not be betting City against City's attack. I have lost a good amount of money in the last month doing that, uh, and I'm going to put a pause on it for this one. Uh, and it's a good time. There's no better time to add more to your City to win the league positions.
2: Oh, shut up. Leeds United uh, is where we will wrap up the Premier League uh, for this show. Leeds plus 110 hosting Crystal Palace, Roy Hodgson, the Roy Hodgson Re- revolution. You know, we we talk about these – these managers like Deserby and you know Marco Silva these progressive managers and who's more progressive than than Roy Hodgson he leads Crystal Palace t- to Ellen Road here I, I want another one that not too interested in i think it would be a palace as an underdog or nothing uh, they looked really good i thought and like w- w- what does he do it pumped a yeah. like, he like, yeah. pumped lester yeah he absolutely pumps like it
1: was Hodgson. I mean, Hodgson might have a future in this. He might have a future in this league, Michael. Beyond this season, right? I mean, like, what did they outshoot uh, Lester? Like twenty-seven to three, or something like that. Like it, <laughs> they were completely. <laughs> it was, I mean, they had like a seventy-five percent field tilt. They haven't done that to any team in the Premier League under Vieira under in his tenure. Like I don't know what Hodgson did. I thought it was going to be four four two, like stay compact against Leicester. No, 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 four three three. Let's get the ball moving forward. Let's press them high and let's cause some problems and let's feel, tilt the field on them. Control possession. Like again, you know, Leeds. What I'll say about this is like they've been uh, much much more uh, passive under Javi Garcia. Like they've had, they're not pressing as high as they they have been in the past. They've been staying a lot more compact, so it's led to. You know, some lower event type matches. Obviously, the match against Arsenal, they conceded four. But, you know, I mean, without Tyler Adams, I mean, Leeds is, they're not completely cooked or finished because like McKinney and, and Roca are fine. But, you know, Adams is so, so important for what they want to do in the middle of the pitch. So I need to see another Roy Hodgson match, though, Michael. I don't, I don't know if I believe what happened against Leicester. Maybe my eyes were deceiving me.
2: Let's see it one more time before we get on, on the Palace train. Bundesliga time. Uh, Anthony, you can kick us off here.
3: Yeah, I'm going to take Stuttgart on the money line at plus 130. I said last week that I might bet Stuttgart every match for the rest of the season. Uh, So far, I'm 0-1 on those uh, bets after they got beat and had two goals right off in the first half and then lost 3-0 to Union on the road. They go on the road again to Bochum. Uh, They are, uh, look, my numbers project this to be about plus 110. So plus 125 is a pretty small edge for me. But I think uh, Stuttgart eventually is just going to positively regress here. And now I get the worst team in the league in Bochum. I know they've been pretty good at home, pretty tough to beat, but eventually bounces need to start going this team's way, which is why I want them on the money line. I'm not going to lay huge juice on them, draw no bet. I'm just going to take the money line because this team is not getting relegated. They're going to start turning the corner. New manager coming in, trying to fix what's been a very broken team for the last
2: year. Uh, what about you, BJ?
1: I like Cologne. Toronto bet at a minus 130 on the road against Augsburg, uh, as they, they like likes to call. Fraudsburg. Uh, <laughs> they're doing it again. They have the worst non-penalty expected goal differential in the Bundesliga, but they are sitting in 12th place. Somehow they're going to survive. Yet again, they are 17th in non-penalty expected goals for, 17th in non-penalty expected goals against. It is, it, again, outside of Bochum, because Bochum's conceded a billion penalties, they are the worst team in the Bundesliga. And Cologne is a team very similar to that, to Stuttgart, where they're sitting in the middle of the table, but they are actually a top half of the table, maybe top seven type Bundesliga type team. I mean, they're third in big scoring chances. Defensively, they've conceded the, the fourth fewest big scoring chances. And the big thing in this matchup is Cologne is a very, very good set piece team. Second in XG per set piece. Augsburg, one of the worst defenses in defending set pieces. And the flip side of that as well is Augsburg is very, very, they're you know, they're a 4-4-2, very, they're one of the more compact teams in the Bundesliga. So they're obviously very reliant on set pieces. Well, Cologne's a top five team defending set pieces so really really good matchup here for cologne you know i project them around an even money favorite on the road here so uh just gonna fade one of the worst teams in the bundesliga
3: you know we're uh, you know we're buying low here because bj's bet Cologne uh has no wins in their last six yeah my my team stuttgart has one win in their last eight and it came yeah. against Cologne. yeah so uh yeah i mean just classic buy lows here in in a in a german league that Uh, has been quite bonkers with who's actually in the relegation zone. Two pretty good teams, relatively, could go down this year.
2: Uh, What about La Liga? Anything for you here, BJ? Yeah, I like Almeria and Valencia.
1: Over two and a half goals at plus 115. Uh, I don't really think any match involving Almeria should be setting up plus money or over two and a half. Their matches have been... Thrilling in, in Spain. they just coming off a 2-2 draw with Celta Vigo. Their matches are averaging 2.93 expected goals per 90 minutes, and that's because they have one of the worst defenses in Spain, allowing over 1.7 expected goals. Last seven matches, they've allowed 15.4 expected goals. They're allowing the most, second most big scoring chances in Spain, and they're allowing the most crosses in, in Spain, which is really important against Valencia, who is very, very good at attacking wide areas, completing the second most crosses of anybody in La Liga and Valencia is an underperforming offense. They're due for positive regression, 30 goals off of 35.3 expected. And in their last nine matches, they've scored four goals off of 11.5 expected. So, uh, in Almeria, though, they are a dangerous counterattacking team. They're very, you know, they set up very, very direct. They are top 10 in expected goals. They're top five in final third to penalty box conversion rate. So, they are pretty deadly going forward. So, uh, over two and a half at uh, plus one fifteen. I project about two point seven goals for this match, so uh, I like the value on uh, plus money on over two and a half.
2: Uh, Anthony, anything for you in Spain? Uh,
3: yeah, I'm going to take uh, Barca Girona. Both teams to score. Look, every time Girona's gone up in in class, like they they're a newly promoted team to the league. Anytime they've gone up, they've actually been very competitive offensively. You know, produced at least one expected goal against Atletico, against Real Sociedad, against Real Madrid, against the very same Barcelona team that they lost one nil to, uh, against Rayo Vallecano, Like they against Bilbao twice. Like they, they have been a, a team that has caused problems in attack for these top sides. Barça's only conceded nine goals in the league this year. Ter Stegen has been unbelievable. Uh, but I think the four goals they conceded to Real Madrid today are a harbinger of things to come for this defense, which is that they have run like gods. No team is allowed um, more posts than Barcelona this year. Like I said, with your Stegen shot-stopping, it's been incre- incredible in La Liga for this defense, uh, just so overvalued in the market. Uh, I like uh, both teams to score.
1: Uh, Italy, BJ. Yeah, I'm going to go Friday. Uh, Salernitana and in Inter over three goals at plus 105 Salernitana's defense is so bad. Like, just so, so bad. 1.8 expected goals allowed per 90 minutes, and they're really bad against good competition. Against the big seven in Italy, which is Roma, Napoli, Juventus, Inter, AC Milan, Atalanta, and Lazio. They're, they've allowed 22.3 expected goals in 10 matches, so you can all do the math out there what that is per match. They're the worst-pressing team in Italy. They're second-to-last in, in box and final third entries allowed. Just a really... Really bad defense. And even though Inter has been going through this rough patch in Serie A, they're still one of the best offenses in Italy. I mean, they're second in non-penalty expected goals and they're way overdue to score one goal in their last three Serie A matches off of 7.8 expected. That is insane underperformance. I know they have a huge champions league match against Benfica coming up this week, but they're in a massive battle to stay inside the top four uh, and their manager, Ignazio is still trying to save his job. So this match is going to be very, very important for them. Salernitana, um, I don't know if you guys know this, but they have um, one of my uh, guys who I've been cursing his name for for quite a long time on this podcast right now, Bula Dia, a formerly of Stade de Reims and, and Villarreal. Uh, legend, yeah, he scored ten goals for C- Salernitana this season. It has cost me quite a bit of money. They have, so they have some attacking talent. You know, Piatek Fu, who recently played at AC Milan. He's got over a point four xG per ninety minute scoring rate. So there's some, there's some talent on, on this uh, Salernitana offense. And Inter's defense is going to be without screener. So uh, I think it's a decent spot here to to back and over. Uh, I think it's going to be a really high event.
3: Tune in for Lukaku to miss three sitters and Bledi to hit
1: the back
2: of one. the net three times from one outside, one outside the box. Uh to the anything in Syria.
3: Yes. You know, it's funny, uh, when you think of Roma and you think of Torino, you probably think of two teams under, 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 under teams, under teams. Uh, and so when they play each other, everybody naturally thinks, Oh yeah, I'm gonna bet the under. Uh well, the market isn't that stupid. It's two. Uh and the total is <laughs> two. And <laughs> that is too low. Uh like I like both teams to score and I like the over. I'm gonna split my bet on those two. Like again. It's basically just like intuitive to the sense that, like yes, the market is aware that Roma and Torino play low-event matches, and they overcorrect in in this case. It's two attacks that have vastly underperformed XG this year and could have more goals than they actually have. And and Roma, especially, is not a bad attacking team. Uh, Once they go up a goal, yes, they tend to shut it down. But if they fall behind, uh, if they're trying to hold a lead, Torino is capable of getting back into games. And they played some pretty back-and-forth crazy matches this year. Just you know, just because you know Torino to be a staunch defensive team doesn't mean they haven't gone back and forth to Milan or even Juventus a couple weeks ago. Uh, and so I, I like the over here and both teams to score. It's a contrarian play for sure. It could look stupid if it ends nil nil, but total is too damn low.
2: Uh, BJ, you're the only one taking a dip in league this week. What?
3: Marseille is hanging around.
2: No, I'm going no, go to go with the I'm going to go with the team that uh only the
1: only team that actually has a chance of overtaking PSG and that's Lens uh, against Strasbourg. Um I like both teams to score at even money. Uh, Strasbourg, I mean electric offense, we all know that about them, should be in the top 3 at this point instead of in the relegation battle. I mean they've created 10.5 expected goals in their last 6 matches coming off a thrilling 4-3 loss to Monaco. The Lens defense has run incredibly hot this season, like ridiculously well. 20 goals allowed off of 31.5 expected in their last four matches. They've allowed 4.3 expected goals and only conceded once. It's a mixture of two things. Nottingham Force legend Bryce Samba Who's in net and he's running incredibly hot. Plus six post shot XG plus minus, and they've allowed the fourth most shots in France inside the six yard box, twenty eight. But their opponents have only scored eight of them, so they're just running ridiculously hot on those two fronts. Strasbourg defensively is is a disaster. We all know that. I mean, they're they're one point eight expected goals allowed per ninety. The last time they faced Lens, Lens created over one one point eight expected goals. Strasbourg is going to be without two of their main defenders. Like this is just not ideal scenario for them defensively, but they do present offensive problems the problem the offensive uh things they can do to present a uh, lens some problems for defenses run ridiculously well so uh both teams to scored even money also I don't want to do it but um PSG is getting a little cheap against nice I'll just say that uh over the weekend I don't but I don't know where their heads are at right now or if they even really care at, at this point um but I will say that I am projecting some value on PSG. Um, but I need to to wait and see what the market does a little bit uh, because minus 115 is a, it's a tad low for me.
3: I bet Lens next weekend plus a half uh, against PSG. Look ahead. I think PSG will drop points in both matches. Mm.
1: Does, Gal- does Galatier leave by that point? And then is it uh, Steven Gerrard
3: rights coming in? That was he the report will, in the he, Scottish he Sun. Will, he will collapse the team to cash my Marseille future. Yeah.
2: Anthony's he might be the next playing pole. the long game all
3: along. He might be uh, the next pole manager. I'm just going to say that, that was the whole point. You bet Villa to do well, wait for them to fire Gerard, they do it, and then you you fade in PSG knowing they're going to go for Gerard and then it works out in the end. Yeah. Long cons.
2: Time for our underdog parlay. We can go we can go to you first here, BJ. I mean, what's
1: been the most successful thing for me in this these underdog parlays over this entire season? It's fading Sevilla Sevilla. just week in and week out. So let's do it again on Friday. Celta Vigo plus 250 on the road at Sevilla. I mean, Celta Vigo has been hot offensively, 13.3 expected goals in their last eight matches. They're a top half of uh, La Liga team by every metric that you look at. And the market just continues to price Sevilla. Like they're still the sixth or seventh best team in La Liga when they're just still closer to the relegation zone than they are to the top four. I mean, this is still a bottom five defense. I don't really think they're back after scoring two goals and beating Cadiz on the road last weekend. So, and they're also more focused on the Europa League. They got Manchester United coming up on Thursday. So, that match is way way more important to them than this little dinky match on Friday against Celta Vigo, which, you know, is not going to make any difference of how they finish in La Liga. So, Celta Vigo
2: plus 250 for me. My underdog is Everton. They're plus 650 at the Theatre of Dreams, Old Trafford. 3-3 three, three and 3 under Sean Dyche. A minus one point six expected goal differential. Just a vast improvement. Only getting better. We haven't seen the we have not seen the top yet, Anton. We haven't seen the top of this team. They're just gonna keep climbing. And they just set up well. They have they profile really well as an underdog right now. And good on set pieces, good defending set pieces. Will make life hell on teams in the midfield. That's a big deal when Casemiro's out. Number's just too good.
3: I'm starting to think the worst thing we did as a podcast was hit that big Everton ticket a couple of weeks ago when they played Arsenal because now Michael is just going to say every single week, "Well, Everton is six to one again," and you know, yeah, what? why wouldn't you? They're going to keep. They're going. They uh, like I said, they'll do one more. I agree. yeah, they've got one so or two more in that the net. Like if you hit the plus seven fifty with us on Arsenal, um, you know, yeah. you're sitting up, and then you know you can lose like five in a row, and then eventually they'll, they'll win again, and then boom, yep, genius. All right, look, uh, Ryo Viacano is at home in a big-time matchup with Atletico Madrid. Vallecano is plus 350. Uh, Madrid has very quietly flown under the radar. I don't think we've really talked about them enough in this pod. We, we spend so much time talking about the other Madrid uh, that we don't really talk about the fact that Atleti's been on an impressive winning run. They won four straight in the league. I think it's now Diego himself, Simeone, Anthony. Anthony. We know that. Road. And I'm going to take Vallecano plus 350. Uh, they do a very good job pressing, forcing high turnovers. Uh, their defensive press is very effective I think they can shut down at and turn this game into pretty much a coin flip
2: hundred and seventeen to one we're back that's better much much that's tough. why we went on three last week it wasn't high enough that's better all right on to our favorite bets in the Premier League uh for this weekend Anthony you and I are in the same uh match so we can go first uh, I'll I'll set it up with Chelsea minus one and a half plus two eighty taking on Wolverhampton I've been waiting for the spot for a long time like Chelsea's The goals at one point are just going to pile in over two expected goals against Liverpool, zero goals scored at some point. It's just going to happen. And and who better than Wolverhampton for it to happen to Uh, this is a good spot. I'm, I'm very excited and I'm excited to have Anthony with me in some
3: fashion. Yeah. I'm a little bit concerned with, with the champions league look ahead, but Chelsea is clearly undervalued here at plus 105. I don't think Wolves have the attacking firepower to keep up with Chelsea. Chelsea returning in Conte is so massive for their transition defense, so massive for their ability to control matches in the middle of the park. Uh, And like you said, they've been doing a really good job of getting Felix and Havertz good chances running at defenses, taking advantage there. I think they're undervalued at plus 105 and they're my best bet this weekend.
2: All right, BJ, take us home.
1: West Ham drawn. Bet minus one ten at the Craven College against Fulham. This is just a classic buy low, sell high. West Ham just lost five one to Newcastle at home. Now they're going on the road to Fulham, who is going to be without Alexander Mitrovic for eight matches. Now he is the most important player to his team in the Premier League. Without Mitrovic in the lineup, that we've had seven matches of sample size, that at Fulham is only averaging 0.81 expected goals per match with Mitrovic in the lineup. They're averaging 1.37, and he means everything to what they want to do in their attack. They want to get the ball wide, and they want to swing in a ton of crosses. I mean, they complete the second-most crosses in the Premier League. Well, West Ham is a top-five team at defending crosses, and the flip side is West Ham is also very good at getting the ball in wide areas and crossing the ball in. They're also top-five in the Premier League offensively in crosses. Well, Fulham's in the bottom five at defending crosses, and also this is a Fulham defense that continues. They ran very, very hot before the – World Cup break, they just conceded close to three expected goals against Bournemouth. The defense is starting to fall off. Now you don't have your best attacker. This is where the Fulham regression hits, and it hits in a big way. So this is a really, really good spot here for West Ham, who by expected goals has been a half goal better than Fulham. So even if you're counting for home field advantage, even not in taking into account the fact that Mitrovic is out, You'd still only have West Ham. You still have West Ham around, you know, minus 0. 0.25 uh, on the road. So can't even get them to a pick em there. So I think this is great value here on West Ham on the road. Drawing no a bet at minus 110.
3: And as a ringing endorsement of that pick, somebody uh, somebody who follows me in the app just DM'd me 10 minutes ago and said, saw you post West Ham on your action for Saturday. As a West Ham fan, I'm dying to know why. Well, when everybody's out, it's usually a good time to get back in.
2: Go Hammers. Uh, all right, for Anthony Dabundo and Patrick I. Cunningham. Not Nate Shelley, though. Screw him. Oh. I'm Michael Leboff. And thank you to our sponsors, Bet365. We will see you again uh, Monday morning, Champions League, with our friend Eric Winalda as well. Best of luck with all your bets.